Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. Some of the most common questions I hear each week from the Entree Architect community are, how do I find more work? Or how do I find the work that I really want? Sound familiar? Well, the answer to those questions start with your brand. Your brand is your story in the mind of your client. That story may already be there, may, may be established by someone else, maybe HGTV or Architectural Digest. But more hopefully, that story was put there by you. To build a better brand, you need to start with knowing where you are right now. And we've built a great new tool called the Entree Architect Build Your Brand Marketing Scorecard that will help you quickly assess where you are right now with your brand and marketing strategy. And once you know where you are today, then we can help you by following up with some simple suggestions for what to do next. You may access the Entree Architect Build Your Brand Marketing Scorecard right now for free at entrearchitect.com scorecard. Hello, my name is Mark R. LePage, and you are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, where I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise, all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. This is episode 275. And in this show, it's the first in a series of episodes recorded live from the RCAT booth at the AIA conference on architecture in Las Vegas. I teamed up with my friends Evan Troxell and Cormac Phelan of ArcaSpeak Podcast and Lance Psycho of Inside the Firm Podcast, and we sat down for three hours on Friday afternoon and met with some very interesting and inspiring people. It was a nonstop conversation about dozens of topics about what's happening today and what we see for the future of architecture and the architecture profession. 
This week at Entree Architect Podcast, live from the AIA Conference on Architecture. This episode of Entree Architect Podcast is supported by our platform sponsors, RCAT, the online resource delivering quality building material information, CAD details, BIM, specifications, and much more at RCAT.com. FreshBooks, the cloud-based accounting software that makes running your small firm easy, fast, and secure. Spend less time on accounting and more time doing the work you love. And Young Architect Conference, the architecture conference dedicated to the emerging professional. One, two, one, two. All right. Yeah, it's speaking. Now I hear me. Oh, okay. All right. So, um... Cuddle up, brothers. Let's <laughs> let's do this. This is the first annual RCAST. We're sitting first here at the uh, the RCAT booth here at AIA Conference 2019. Under the big red A. Under the big red A. I am Mark Arlapage with Entree Architect Podcast. And I'm, I'm Troxel with the Arcaspeak Podcast. I'm Cormac Phelan with the Arcaspeak Podcast. Put it up closer to your... Eat the mic. Eat the mic. And do you want me to say it again? Speak out loud. Yeah, we'll... we'll, we'll All right. This is going to be a casual show. There's going to be lots, right. of, lots of issues uh, here. Cormac Phelan with the Arca Speak Podcast. I'm Lance Psycho with Inside the Firm Podcast. And uh, I think first we should thank Casey and Bill from Arcat for offering us the space to do this. This is... They've, they've offered many years in a row. We finally took them up on it. Yeah. So thank yeah. you guys. It's been a... This is going to be cool. Yeah, this is going to be fun. We're going to do a three-hour marathon podcast Wait, here. three hours. Yeah, <laughs> and I had just been talking for two hours straight before this, so yeah. here we go. So this is good. We'll see how this goes. We're working. <laughs> Probably got to get another We're one. Working. We, ha- we have a bunch of guests scheduled. We'll see how that works out because I think it's going to be complicated enough with just the four of us here, and then we're going to bring in some guests and, and have some conversation as well. So yep. um, we'll, see. we'll see how it goes. We're, um, so how do you want to start this? What was the, actually? It's uh, what time is it now? It is twelve thirteen, my friend. All right. And who do we have first? We have Iris. Is, are they here? Shane, I don't see him. Okay. So, so we they have are here. Then. He did say he was coming by, but yeah, right. we have a few minutes for sure. So uh, why don't we uh, start off with Scott? Because Scott's here. Scott, you're here. You get to go first. Okay. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna need to share right one middle. one of the mics. We'll share. And yeah. so we're we're just we're this is a fully off the cuff casual conversation here. So we've invited a bunch of guests to talk about what they're passionate about. You have about ten minutes, and so and and, uh, and so, why don't you talk about who you are, what do you do, and uh, how are you trying to make the world a better place through what you're doing? Yeah, well, uh, th- thanks a lot for uh, having me on on the show. Um, so I'm Scott Reynolds, one of the co-founders at Upcodes, and we focus on uh, building regulations. So building some new technology and two new uh, workflows for professionals to navigate through the compliance process. Um, the first product, Upcodes Web, uh, we consolidate building regulations online, make it a little bit more searchable, easier to collaborate with. And secondly, Upcodes AI, I'm starting to think about automating the uh, building code compliance process in BIM models. So looking at the 3D model and uh, creating a spell check for compliance. Nice. That's a cool way so to talk expl- about it. Like, can you get a little bit more specific about it? So like, is, would an example of that be like, okay, we're going to do an ADA clearance check. 
like that sort of thing? It, it, exactly. So it's kind of like a uh, what we like to think of like a consultant looking over your shoulder, just a, a gut check for exactly like you said, ADA. Uh, so that was one of the most popular uh, or more popular requested features, and that's where we focused, at least in the beginning. Um, so just like you said, like a turning radius, push-pull clearance, giving you a heads up if we can identify there might be an issue, a potential code issue there, um, just as a second check. Yeah, very cool. I've been asking everybody on my podcast, I've been doing separate interviews, a uh, question about how they think uh, as automation. You know, there's been a, there's a lot of talk right now. It's a, We're heading into election seasons and stuff about automation and what that means for job markets and everything. Um, but that's part of the job. That's where I like automation coming in because I don't want to do that stuff. I want a computer to do it and tell me where we're wrong. And then, you know, so my guys can spend more time on design or we can spend more time in the field. So very, very cool stuff. What inspired, like, you, are you to, to create this? So my background's in architecture. Uh, I studied architecture at Syracuse University, worked abroad for a little bit, um, and then worked in New York for a little while. And code compliance was one of my main focuses and also the bane of, of uh, my day-to-day <laughs> job. Uh, and I was kind of blown away. There, there was no software, no kind of uh, structured workflow to manage compliance. And um, I was surprised, but, but also feeling that pain firsthand. And that's when I reached out to my brother, who was a software engineer, and said, hey, look, can, can we introduce some kind of software uh, to, to alleviate some of this, some of this pain? Uh, and that's really what inspired that, that first iteration of Upcodes. Very cool. I know we've used it a few times. Have you guys used it yet? I, oh, very, very briefly. Scott and I have been talking a lot on Entree Architects uh, through the Facebook group. And we just talked yesterday on, on Facebook Live. And so I've learned a lot about it. And uh, super interesting. I love what the, the future of, of uh, Upcodes is all, all, all about. Yeah, well, thanks for those conversations. And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and good. I've used the online. I've used the online version of it. Um, I can't get the uh, my IT department to actually let me launch the uh, you know the AI for it. But as I slowly start getting people within our office to actually start seeing it and, and actually how to use it, um, I'm gonna I'm I'm fighting the fight from the the rear so that you know everybody's like oh we got to get this we got to get this because. You know, that it's going to make our life so much simpler because, yes, I mean, codes in, you know, large-scale projects like I work on are the bane of my existence. And, you know, so if I can at least have something that's helping me out in the background, look at a baseline of where I'm, you know, meeting or not meeting code, you know, that's great because, I mean, we're all, everybody, like I was, you know, talked on, on our podcast not too long ago, you know, we're always looking for, you know, at least the baseline, and then we can start looking into, you know, all of the the, the um, exceptions and all that other stuff because that's usually where we kind of live is in the exceptions. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think we, we really look at the uh, the approval process. So pulling a permit, right. what what are the delays? What's what's getting caught? And trying to catch those really just low hanging fruit. Yeah, those things that are not necessary. Like you said, right. you you live in exceptions. You should focus on the more critical, more complicated component of that. And you know, I think going earlier to the to the um, idea of automation and what does that mean for the for the professionals' uh, job and, and future, we we just focus on that mundane, low hanging fruit and try and let the designer focus on the. I think what humans are really good at the creative process, reading in between the lines, letting the computers do the low hanging, uh, mundane tasks of, of code check. Well, one of the things, and I don't know, um, you know, where you're at, you know, maybe within the process or whatever, but one of the things that we had talked about in the past was, you know, as this automation starts becoming more and more prevalent, you know, are these things that we can start getting code reviewers and things like that to actually start to see because that changes the game on our submittal processes. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and that's first and foremost in our mind is is to bridge that gap between the the designer and the government body or the AHJ. Right. Um, and ideally, they can adopt some of this uh, technology to increase transparency. Right. So you right. as a designer, before you try and pull a permit, you would have some indication if that's going to be accepted or not accepted, and, and why. I think it's uh it's pretty challenging the discrepancy you you see between jurisdictions and right. one plans yeah. examiner might um, interpret it a certain way and, and another might do it a different way so i think trying to bring that transparency and consistency is, is well, important and, and another thing is what i see is an opportunity is um you know we know that the approval process takes forever i mean i've got, i've got a project that i'm working on right now that the published approval process is could take up to 12 months you know, I mean, really? Does it take? I mean, it doesn't take me 12 months to do a code review on my project. So why is it taking you 12 months? So, you know, to be able to integrate an AI process, you know, into it so that you can actually start to see where it passes, where it fails, and stuff like that is, you know, encouraging to me um, that you know we can start to chip away at these long re uh, review processes. Yeah, certainly, and it, it, it's it's definitely a long road. It, it's such a complicated um, um, yeah. domain yes. that, uh, <laughs> like, like you alluded to, like, like chipping away at this. We th that's exactly the way we think about it. Maybe like a three, five year process that we can even get to like twenty, thirty percent coverage of all the code, but slowly trying to get more and more of that of those automated checks happening. Right, right. I wanted I wanted to bring Shane into this conversation as well. Shane's with with uh, Iris VR. And I think that there's there's some future of architecture right here sitting with us. Um, and so I wanted to bring Shane into this conversation with Scott from up. Uh, Shane, what's your last name again? Scranton. Scranton. Right. Yep. Shane Scranton from Iris VR. Um, you want to just talk about a little bit about what you do? And then um, I'd love to sort of see how your two worlds connect. Yeah, absolutely. So we are a software company that brings various design various design models, Revit, SketchUp, Rhino, Navis, direct into VR to really accelerate the decision-making process with clients and with other stakeholders on the project. And uh, as VR gets easier, really making that process just super one-click and really easy to engage with the project at one-to-one -one scale. It, at our firm, we use, we use Prospect. We've been huge fans of Shane and his work and obviously lots of back and forth to develop the product as it goes along. And I think that's starting to happen with you guys as well. I'm sure you're getting a lot of input over at Upcodes. Um, and what I, my question is, like I have actually two questions, that one of them is, is for, for you and one of them is for both of you guys. I know that you on the podcast can't see who I'm pointing at. But, um, <laughs> but Scott, but Scott at, at Upcodes, uh, are, you guys get, are you getting any f interest from agencies with your software? Because I know like we, we do a lot of work with Department of the State Architect. They're actually doing some automated code check for accessibility on PDFs, not in 3D. Um, but I would assume that as we work more toward model-based delivery and someday, uh, would they just be able to implement something like you? And then the second question that I think both of you guys, is, is there a way that we can then take that information that you've got and actually experience it e either internally in our firms, but then also with the code officials at the same time, get into the models and have discussions about these things and look at those collisions and obviously in VR, it's not a big deal for us to pull these. Uh, we can already do markups in, in VR. We can tag elements. We can do all these things. So, so how will those two things, how could you guys see those two things kind of overlapping since it's all based on the same model anyway, potentially? Yeah, that, that, that's a fantastic question. Um, and, and just thinking at a macro level what's happening in the U.S., 
um, the AHJs are getting uh, increased budget cuts. Um, so they're having to operate on, on, on a leaner budget and less staff. Meanwhile, the architecture industry is growing, continues to grow. Uh, more applications being submitted to the, to the AHJs, and they're struggling and, and buckling under that pressure, and um, permitting times are getting longer and longer. So here in Las Vegas, um, we, we just heard that it's a three-month waiting period before you can get a, a permit pulled. So that's the macro trend. Um, so as a result of that, we have had a lot of positive uh, interest in automating it, at, at least to some point, um, in that process to alleviate some of their, some of their uh, uh, woos. Um, so we've, we've talked uh, domestically to, to say like Oshpod uh, dealing with healthcare and California construction um, and, and a lot of typical building departments, um, but also internationally, interesting. So Singapore is throwing a lot of money at it. They, they dealt, dealt with this in the early 90s. Um, they, they poured millions and millions in the 90s and it looks like they might be looking at a $40 million government contract just to look at automated plan review. Um, so this exact topic, Abu Dhabi is doing the same thing. Um, so I think there's interest both domestically but also internationally. Yeah, I think to the second part of your question, um, I mean, a lot of what we're looking at is how do we make the model more of the source of truth and how do we sort of preserve the workflows in the actual 3D digital context? And uh, I think especially from like an approval standpoint, the more you can exist true to scale in the actual model and be able to walk through and experience it can really speed up the approval process quite a lot. And I mean, I think there's there's various elements that, that I don't think VR will address right out of the gate, but the more people can exist in the actual uh, source of truth within the file, there's a lot that can be accelerated there. Well, yeah. I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say, one of the things that we struggle with when we're in front of an AHJ is trying to explain to them exactly, you know, some of the issues that we have with you know, what meets code, what doesn't meet code, and all of these other things. And if we're able to take them into the model to actually show them where it meets code, where it doesn't meet code, and things like that, I do see a, a great overlap between you know what you guys are doing. Yeah, it takes out a lot of the abstraction. It's like exactly. instead of trying to describe with words and plans, yeah. you can go in and look directly at the element. Yeah, and Shane, Shane that's, a, that's a great point, the, the source of truth kind of concept. Because you have a BIM model, it has all the information packed into it, but at the end of the day, you export to a 2D drawing set. Yeah. And there, there's a, a huge disconnect between a 3D model and that, and that, that 2D drawing set. So yep. I think what, yes. what Iris <laughs> VR does, and what's so interesting, is, is putting the emphasis on that, that BIM model. And I wonder if there's a future where we can actually submit the, the BIM model to the government yeah. and cut well, out that, that export. That is the dream. Yeah, that is definitely a goal that like Evan and I talk about constantly is because we've, you know, we see the, the validity of, I mean, so we, we've, we've talked about um, with a variety of different things. I've got projects that, you know, we give off to the CM, uh, our BIM model, and they're building off of the BIM model. So why can't we go to the HJ and, you know, do our permitting off of the, of, off of the BIM model? I mean, we're, we're almost there. It's just, you know, you're right with, you know, the cutbacks and everything else. I mean, you've got, you know, basically staff that isn't trained in the, the software that we're trying to show them, and, you know, to make it a lot easier is basically the next step. You know, if if they feel comfortable with it, you know, they'll start looking at it. Yeah, it's a, it's a conversation about accessibility, too. I mean, it's it's hard to open a two gigabyte Revit file if you're it, an HJ. Right. I mean, I think there is also just access to the data. I mean, a PDF and a printout is still so familiar and so easy. So I do think 
there's sort of reducing the abstraction of what the drawings are showing and, and what the model means. But I think it's also just making the consumption of that data really accessible to anyone who's non-technical. And that's a lot of what we're looking at now on the VR side is uh, VR is a great way to reduce that abstraction, but it also needs to be really accessible. So someone who's non-technical, someone who's been at the HJ for right. five yeah. For 50 years. 30, uh, 30, 30 years. Yeah, yeah. 30, can, uh, 40, 50 years, yeah. Can, exactly. can open it up and access that data. Yeah. And that, that kind of brings up the idea of uh, proprietary file formats, too. A lot of people, especially in the U.S., work in Revit files, uh, but an AHA can't really back, you know, an Autodesk product like, like, a, like a Revit file. Um, so then you start to think about, well, what, what's like a shared uh, standard for BIM, and that is most likely IFC. Um, so thinking about what's the accessibility to an IFC model, and I'm not sure if I, uh, IRSBR supports IFC, but I think that would be a huge leap forward for an AHJ, being able to operate on that BIM model without going through an Autodesk product. We didn't plan this, but our next release will have IFC support. So <laughs> you, heard it, you heard it here first. <laughs> and it does seem like there's a lot of companies out there kind of trying to get into the position of, of what's it like to be the owner in this world where everybody's operating with different file formats and different platforms because they don't want to, they, they don't have the budget to, to train people to use them. They don't want to spend the money to license the software over and over every year, right? right. And so like, like we see Unity's announcement, right, where they're building a platform for the models to become federated so that somebody who doesn't know Revit doesn't own Revit, whatever, they, they can just pull open, you know, it could be on the cloud, they can get in the model, they can review it, and it's fast, it's light, it works on any device, right? It works on an iPhone, it works on an iPad, it works on a computer, it doesn't matter what you have, it goes up and down the, the technology, you know, the levels of technology so easily. I, it's interesting to see the uh, these other companies, like, really from like the, the video game side, the game development side, who are like, whoa, like there's, there's a there's a foothold to be gained to give empathy to the owner, <laughs> right? Who, who doesn't talk this language, who doesn't deal with this kind of stuff. So. Yeah. Let's bring in uh, Microsoft. Yeah. Taxes. It's, I'm gonna go pick it's time. Okay. I'm going to switch you out. Just introduce what's happening here. <laughs> so Scott, Scott's going to switch out. Scott, thank you very much for hanging out with us. Thanks so much, yeah, Thank Scott. you so much for having me. Yeah. We'll be right back to our conversations after this quick break to say thank you to our platform sponsors here at Entree Architect, RCAT, FreshBooks, and Young Architect Conference. It's what many professionals in architecture dread, editing down a manufacturer's specifications. You're staring down this 54-page specification and you only need one product and all of its attributes. That's it. You just need that one thing and we're looking at 54 pages. There is a better way and it's not throwing the entire specification right into your project documents. It's RCAT and RCAT's Spec Wizard. Spec Wizard is a unique tool that allows you to specify a product in minutes, not hours, by turning a specification into a simple to use website. Just select the products and options you want to specify and generate a three-part CSI spec in multiple formats quickly, easily, and best of all, it's free. It's absolutely free. You don't even have to register. You don't even have to give them your email address. Just go to rcat.com right now and try it out. Try out the better way of specifying products, rcat spec wizard at rcat.com. That's A-R-C-A-T dot com. Do you remember when you started your architecture firm? 
it was no small feat. It took many late nights and many early mornings. Bottom line, you've been insanely busy ever since. So why not make things a little bit easier now? Well, our friends at FreshBooks have the solution. FreshBooks invoicing and accounting software is designed specifically for small business owners like you. It's simple and it's intuitive and it keeps you way more organized than the dusty shoebox filled with crumpled receipts. Create and send professional looking invoices in 30 seconds and then get them paid two times faster with automated online payments. File expenses even quicker and keep them perfectly organized for tax time. And the best part, FreshBooks grows alongside your business. So you'll always have the tools you need when you need them without ever having to learn the ins and outs of accounting. Join the 24 million people who've used FreshBooks. Try it for free today, 30 days, no catch, no credit card. Try it for free at entrearchitect.com slash FreshBooks and enter Entree Architect in the How Did You Hear About Us section. That's entrearchitect.com slash FreshBooks. Are you an emerging architect? Do you want to failure-proof your career? Then you will want to attend the Young Architects Conference on August 23rd through the 25th in Portland, Oregon. This conference, which was created by Young Architect founder Mike Rasika, is all about feeding your connection and knowledge necessary to truly succeed in architecture as a young architect. That means you'll learn the next most powerful steps you can take after receiving your license. You'll learn how to be a better leader. You'll learn how to build your brand, stand out in a competitive market, use social media, and grow a following. You'll also learn how you can leverage your talent and values to give back in the most meaningful way. You ready to save your spot? Space is limited, so grab it now. Visit entrearchitect.com slash youngarchitect. That's entrearchitect.com slash youngarchitect. And use our promo code entree, E-N-T-R-E, and you'll save $150 when you register. That's entrearchitect.com slash youngarchitect. And use the promo code entree. RCAT, Fresh Books, and Young Architect Conference Please visit our platform sponsors today and thank them for supporting you, the Entree Architect community. And so what I thought is maybe we can overlap. I want, to, I want uh, Shane to stay and uh, introduce uh, Mike Rasika of Young Architect. And Mike, you want to talk about uh, what you do, why you do it, and then maybe um, we can overlap a little bit about what Shane's doing with Iris VR and how, you know, what you're doing how those two things we'll uh, yeah, yeah. overlap. I, so I talk to you guys every year at the conference. So I'm Michael Rosica. I uh, I'm a licensed architect in the state of Oregon. Uh, when I got my license, I had a really hard time getting it. I spent it was a hell of an experience. I felt like I had, there was so much bad information about what the architect exam was. And after I was done with my exams, I needed something creative to work on because there's nothing creative about passing these tests. And I needed to make something and express myself. So I started a blog, youngarchitect.com, and I started writing about how I passed the architect exam. I started ranting and raving about the profession. And it just got, a, very quickly, it picked up a lot of momentum. And now at this point, I got a program that helps people get started with taking the architect exams. We're creating study materials. We're traveling around the country, giving lectures about the ARE and entrepreneurship, teaching workshops, putting out podcasts, making videos. 
been a lot of fun. That's awesome. Yeah. So if you, if you can give us kind of an example of the kind of people that you talk to as you go on this road show and, and yeah. do the boot camps and all that kind of stuff. Well, I talk to students a lot of time. I'll start there. I start. I, I do a lot of lectures at universities talking about, I have a presentation about, I call it entrepreneurship for architecture students, where I hammer on three different principles. It's trading your time for dollars, uh, establishing multiple streams of income, and finding, uh, finding a problem to solve and monetizing it. And so I do that uh, lecture for students, and then I also speak at a lot of AIA chapters and firms and conferences about the architect exam. And kind of the message of that presentation is really of, let's stop looking at this thing as it's a test. Let's start really, let's treat it as an opportunity to learn to, as professional development to become better architects and really learn the craft of how to practice. And let's focus on that and let's set our sights so much higher up as becoming successful architects rather than just people that pass tests. That's so, cool. Yeah. So you've become a consultant in a different way to the profession. I mean, it's you're, you're helping the profession be a profession. Yeah. And that further, was kind of one of, down the road. one of the things that happened was there was a there was a period where I was doing I was practicing at the same time doing projects, and I felt like waiting in line and dealing with clients and dealing with building officials was getting in the way of all this young architect stuff. So I take a, I took a step back about a year and a half ago. You can always go back to that. I know I've been yeah. I've been practicing I've been working yeah. in this profession for so long. Yeah. So I've been focusing on the young architect stuff full time. Cool. So Shane. You come from architecture as well, right? I do. And so I was talking about architect. this, talking about this entrepreneurial spirit and like solving a problem. I mean that that's where Iris VR came from, right? Yeah, I mean it's funny. I was up in Vermont working at small residential firms and loved it, but really my strength was in 3D. And so I branched off and started doing sort of 3D consulting, 3D freelance, and that evolved into what Iris is. Effectively, got a headset in 2013, started bringing it into clients. And very quickly it was, uh, Shane, why are we paying you for renderings? You should be doing VR for us. And yeah. we moved into sort of the VR space in 2014 and saw very quickly that we could be one of the first. Yeah. And there was a big opportunity for software. So, yeah, sort of came from came from the architecture world. I'd say I moved to the dark side of tech. but um, That's construction, actually. Yeah. 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 Oh, excuse Sorry. me. Excuse me. <laughs> um, no, it's a, I also joke that I would, I mean, I never got my MRC. I was undergrad. And, you know, it's so funny. It was such a debate uh, just the expense of grad school, that's actually what fueled my freelance work. The plan was to go to grad school and sort of got pulled into the tech space. And uh, it's an interesting conversation around just how this industry cultivates young talent. And now you're just talking to architects all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Couldn't yes. get away. Exactly. Here I am around about 20,000 of them, I think. So. <laughs> okay. So, so Iris VR, you guys let us experience our models, experience stuff before it's built. And in an amazing way. And so what are you most excited about now? Like there's there's 800 headsets available now. There's there's so many directions people could go. Yeah. If you were to kind of give an idea, and I think this kind of ties back to students as well, because like I, I would teach an emerging technology class at Cal Poly, and we talk about things that didn't exist five, 10 years ago that are now career paths in architecture. Yeah. And so as, as you're, Mike, as you're kind of engaging with students and you're talking about passing these exams, obviously that's a huge step into a career in architecture. You're actually, Shane, providing a potential career in architecture yeah. uh, with through visualization, through VR. So what are you excited about? What, what do you tell people who are, you know, looking at all this technology, all these potential dollars they could spend? Obviously, they don't have to spend all that money to get into it. But because there's a lot of great software out there that's low cost, or you know, where they can sample it and try it out. But and yeah. you're aimed at something different than that. But what are you most excited about? Yeah, it's it's a really exciting 2019 and 2020. I think um, 
On the hardware side, uh, I have a headset sitting next to me that obviously listeners can't see, but it's the Oculus Quest. Brand it's new. It's a brand new. It's a big deal because it's got sort of full tracking and uh, and full sort of access to the to the right type of VR in our eyes. It's six degrees of freedom. Really, really feels like you're there, uh, and no computer required. So it's completely self-contained. It's four hundred bucks. Put it in my bag. I carried it here. Like. Don't need it's a laptop. Wireless too. So except wireless, just <laughs> so nice. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's really, in our eyes, the first big step towards just making VR actually accessible to people who aren't tech enthusiasts who have a two thousand or three thousand dollar laptop or a desktop. And um, I think technology like this makes um, makes being an entrepreneur in a frontier tech market a lot easier because you're not really engaging just with early adopters. You're able to engage with a more majority market, which you sort of need to start scaling a business if you're if you're testing it out. So we're really excited about this technology just in general and VR just becoming more accessible across the board. I've picked Everywhere. the Quest, but yeah. there's been a ton of releases this summer. So yeah. on the VR side, I'm really excited about that. I think um, more exciting even for what we've seen in the last five years is it seems like firms really are thinking more, you, you even mentioned this, um, are thinking more about what it means to have a federated model and what it means to have, I already said this as well, but what it means to have a single source of truth. Yeah. And I'm just seeing that come up in more conversations, whether that's uh, BIM 360, whether that's using sort of Navisworks, whether that's using uh, sort of another web-enabled tool. Um, and I think that's a really important part of the process for the industry to start thinking about these models as, as sort of digital twins and representations of the job site and of right. the project. Right. And uh, of course, that layers really nicely into what we're doing in VR. So I'm excited about that trend too. Awesome. So Mike, where are you headed next? I'm going to fly back to New York and I'm going to do a couple of presentations around Long Island, New Jersey. Wow. And So where's your van? Oh, it's in New York right now. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's another thing. I've been living in my van since November 2018. Wow. <laughs> I, uh, it was, I'm spending so much time traveling, and I used to have a minivan, and I was like, you know what? I need a better, I need a bigger van. Bigger van, yeah. And so I went out and I bought a Mercedes Sprinter, and I've been <laughs> building it nonstop. That's cool. It's been, it's been like my hobby. It's given me something awesome. to do. It's given me yeah. a reason to go to Home Depot every day. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, Hands I've been on. working on that. So I'm going to head up to, at the end of June, I'm going to head up to, I'm going to do a presentation in Buffalo, Cleveland, Detroit. Then uh, I'm gonna drive out to Portland, Oregon. I'm gonna be in I'm gonna be in the West Coast all summer long, and we're having a young architect conference this summer for the next generation Plug it. architects. That's cool. Yeah, that's what I wanted. I wanted to make sure yeah. you talked about that. We're on it too. I mean, there's so many architecture conferences, and they all have kind of a different spin on it. And I wanted to have a conference really for the young people in the profession, and let's have conversations and keynotes and workshops and parties that are all kind of focused on building a more successful profession. And I love what you did with the with the speakers. Talk a little bit about how you formatted the speakers. It's not a typical conference. Yeah. So I said, rather than hearing from star architects or movie stars at our conference, we want to hear from young, successful young people yeah. who have stories to share. And let's get them on stage. And yeah, and those are some voices that are not being heard right now. Yeah. And so it's it's great and, to sort of yeah. And hear so, that. So we've got uh, a bunch of amazing people from all over the country who are going to be doing our keynotes. And then we got 20, uh, like 25, 30 different workshops, um, all focusing on professional development for, for the future. So how do people find out about that if they want to? Conference.youngarchitect.com. All right, conference.youngarchitect.com. And what's the date com. and location? Oh, it's in Portland, Oregon, August 23rd through the 25th. We rented a beautiful venue for it, brand new, and we're just super Yeah, excited. I saw that on the site. That looks like a yeah. very cool place. <laughs> That's cool. I just went to Portland for the very first time like two months ago, and I was blown away. Like, we got great weather, 
Portland Japanese yeah. Gardens oh, downtown. Yeah. It's just beautiful. There's so many, th- you know, Multnomah Falls. There's so many things to do there. If you love the mountains, if you love clean air, it's, it's an amazing a city. Place to go. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, thanks, guys. Thanks yeah, for being our here. Pleasure. I really appreciate it. Is there anything, Shane, that you want to give a, give everybody your web address? Yeah. Talk yeah. about uh, Prospect and what it does real quick and leave yeah, abso- people with, uh, with something to check out. Absolutely. And uh, since we're talking about young architects, uh, if you're a student, we give out our software for free. So now with the Quest, which is 400 bucks, you can get that running with our software for free. You can apply right through our website, which is irisvr.com. Um, we really want every student to be in VR experiencing their projects and their Absolutely. designs. Yeah. Um, and uh, coming up next, we, I mean, we have Prospect now available for the Quest as well as these next generation headsets. And you, we've had a trial for a long time. You can download a trial. It's 14 days direct from our website as well. Awesome. Cool. Well, yeah. thanks, guys. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Thanks, guys. I have uh, Robert Hewn coming on next with Monograph. Thanks so much for coming over. Uh, but he's not here right now. He was here, and uh, he's coming back. Thanks, Shane. So Mike, you can you can uh, hang out for a little while if you'd like until um, Robert comes back, unless you got to bounce, and then you can go. It's up to you. I'm speaking at 2. All right. Yeah, go. Go. It's good to see you guys. Thanks for coming by. I'll take that. Yeah. Can I give you guys lanyards? Yeah. Yeah. I take good stuff. Because these are lanyards. <laughs> yeah. Let's take care of this. We have people taking photos. Yeah. Yeah. And I got Facebook here. Live going on here, too. If anybody who doesn't know what's happening here, this is the first annual ARCAST. Right. We are at the ARCAT booth at the AIA conference, and uh, we're talking to a bunch of guests. Uh, every 15 minutes or so, we got a new guest coming in, and so we figured we'd uh, broadcast it on Facebook as well. So uh, if you're hearing us and you're seeing us, that's what you're hearing and seeing. Get closer. Yeah, take care, Mike. Sorry, taking a little audio break here. That's all right. We just edit this stuff out. I don't want to stop it because it's working. <laughs> so I'm just going to let it roll. We'll, we'll clip it up at the end. So we have uh, Robert Yoon of Monograph coming next, and then uh, Reg Prentice. Reg, is it Reg or Reg? Yeah, Reg. Reg Prentice is coming up after Robert, and we can overlap them too, maybe. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, they actually work together because they were both in the incubator program oh, for so they know. Zero 060, so oh, they, they know each other. That'll be a great conversation. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Don't go far, Cormac. Yeah, he can come and talk if he wants. I think that's what we should be doing, you know, just grabbing people and talking. Just pulling them in. Well, there's Michelle. Yep. I don't know what happened to Robert. He went to... Uh, I saw him for a minute. He said he'd be right back, and then he didn't come back. He'll be back. So let's talk about your meetup last night. Yeah, the meetup was great. I thought it was a great turnout. It was. Um, can, we, can we talk about the venue real quick? <laughs> That's we, what I wanted to start with. We have to start there. Yeah, absolutely. So so I'll just give my, and this happened to you too, right? We, we, we called a, a lift. 
They said we're going. We're going to the what was it called? Rancho. It was the uh, 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 the we cantina. We have to plug the place because it was the. Um, you got to send people there. El Dorado Cantina. El Dorado Cantina, right? Yep. And and so we get in the lift, and the guy's like, El Dorado Cantina, right? Yep. And we drive over there. A Mexican place. And we pull into this parking lot for a strip joint. <laughs> Sapphires. Right. And and it was like, are we at the right place? And there's a door on the right, and there's a door on the left. It's one building, right? And I was like, is this really? Yeah. Did Mark know about this? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knew about it until we got there. We, so they conveniently left that out. <laughs> yeah. I, when they market the El Dorado Cantina, they don't mention that it's part of the s- strip joint. Yeah. It's, it's actually not. I mean, it's in the same building. It's in the same parking lot. Uh, but it has no connection, right? And so it's a, it they was a great. A it was actually a great place. It was a fantastic place, and yeah. I was so like the story we're, that we're they talking told. about last night's uh, meetup. Oh, cool! Yeah, join on in. I will as soon as I'm done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. <laughs> so they they told their story about that place, and 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 I thought it was funny how the owner presented it. She said, you know, it could be a, it could be. The reason you're here, right? <laughs> right. It's either the asset or the liability. Right. <laughs> Take your pick. <laughs> so it was a great meetup, though. I mean, tons of activity, lots of excitement, lots of. They announced the uh, CVG award winner, right, for the business for, plan for the competition. business plan competition right. this year, and uh, it was I mean, a, a collaborated uh, event. So the last the last two years, we've done that. We've co- we've combined the Charette Venture Group. Um, architecture business plan competition reception to award the winner and celebrate the winner and uh, and have a meetup with all the small firm in the entree architect community and just hang out and have a good party and so we brought those two communities together and had a good party so nice little networking event and uh good to see friends and yeah i mean you guys are basically family now right yeah yeah, yeah it was cool. it was a good time it was a really good time so Very cool yeah so we we are robert hewn is here from monograph and uh i want to kick off with um, letting Robert talk about Monograph. What is Monograph? Um, why did you create it? And how are you changing the world by creating it? Awesome. Simple, easy question. Yeah. It's easy. I got it. So I'm Robert, CEO of Monograph. Uh, I was an architect, trained as an architect, did my master's at Michigan, uh, worked at Skidmore Owens and Merrill, and then transitioned and did a whole bunch of high-end residential and continue to see a massive problem in how we track time and manage our budgets. So really, Monograph is trying to solve, uh, it's a project management tool and time tracking tool designed for, for small and mid-sized firms. And you started off, though, Monograph was a website building tool, right? That's correct. And is it still, are you still doing that as well? We're or no longer completely doing that. pivoted away from that? We, okay. we pivoted away. Okay. Um, see my tech lingo right there? That's pretty <laughs> sweet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the product still exists. Uh-huh. We're just not allowing any new customers. Okay. So all of, our, all of our existing customers that are on our first version of Monograph websites yeah. uh, is still paying customers. Okay. And as long as they enjoy it, we'll keep it alive. Okay. Cool. Yeah. How many are still on the platform then? On the website? Yeah, yeah. So we had we started off with around 700 architects using wow. Monograph websites. Nice. Um, it, the number has come down a little bit. Uh, I think it's closer to around 600, 600 firms there. Uh, they're beautiful. I mean, that was the, really the draw, right? They're easy to easy to set up. They exactly. look really good. Yeah. So, this, so if we're going to talk a little bit techie and a little bit business wise, like it was just really difficult to compete with Squarespace and yeah. Wix and WordPress. Yeah. From a price perspe- uh, perspective, from like a volume perspective, like it, the business model just wasn't going to work. Uh, just offering websites for for architects, like yeah. we weren't solving a really dire need. Right. Um, 
and unfortunately when we when you don't do that as a business model like you're just not going to get the, the traction to to run a really like sustainable business uh, monograph now this version we'll call it monograph dashboard tracking time and managing fees is extraordinarily valuable for small practices sure so it's like historically you do it either with a whiteboard or or an excel spreadsheet yeah like there's there's a massive no, those problem. people are not lined up for delta so, so is it no literally way. is it literally like a timer system that gets fed into a database that's that how it works uh so it's a it's a web-based platform how it works is it looks very similar to most other time tracking software where you enter your project you enter the hours you're worked on What's really unique is we just make it really seamless and really easy, really beautiful. Uh, we also segment out so that you can track multiple billable rates, which almost no other time tracking does. Oh, okay. Because no, no other time tracking software is designed for architects. Let's be honest, like small firms and mid-sized firms, you have to wear multiple hats. Your billable rates will fluctuate. Like even if you're a principal, you can't be building principal time the, the entire duration of a project. Uh, so we essentially bake that into when we're designing the software. Okay. Have any engineering firms picked it up? I mean, it's the same parallel there, right? We're talking to a few engineering firms, so we're, we're about to essentially start uh, onboarding consultants. The, the big mission for Monograph is we want to essentially capture all the professionals that make buildings happen. It starts with the architects, but it doesn't end with the architects. There's structural engineers, there's MEP engineers, there's seismic. Uh, there's, there's a lot of essentially professional consultants that need to be on a project to make it happen. Do you guys have any kind of a, I, I, since, since a lot of projects start with architects and then they bring in the consultants mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm sure you're kind of banking on those architects spreading <laughs> something that they see as incredibly valuable Correct. or excited about. So is there, because you guys are a, a startup, small business, mm -hmm. are, are you guys doing affiliate kind of things with those kind of firms or, or, or how does that whole system, your marketing system work so that you can get so you can build this platform with the, the most number of users that, that you could see benefiting from this? So we're, we're starting to explore affiliate programs. Uh, we're really happy to continue to work with Mark LePage on, on, on Entre Architect, and we can ho hopefully we can keep doing that. But ideally, we systematize a way so we can partner with everyone else in the industry. Seems like there's just got to be, you've got to like try so many different things. Yeah. And you, you kind of have some freedom to experiment, I would assume, but yep. and see what works and what doesn't. What, what we're really confident about, which which really will, will hold us the, as a product, uh, our long-term mission, is that we see the industry becoming more and more segmented based on consultants, more and more specialized professionals. Yeah, uh, we've seen that populate growth over the last five years, and it's exponentially going to keep going. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of market-driven scenarios, and this is due to like liabilities and architect passing liabilities and a lot. Like architect buildings are getting more complex. Uh, so building a project management tool that not only is siloed to one individual's organizations, but building the cross-organization collaboration is really where we're going to win. Um, so once that starts turning, uh, we won't absolutely need to be dependent on affiliates because the product itself will drive all the, yeah. the entire team to come on board. Okay, so it's called Monograph Dashboard. So talk mm -hmm. about the dashboard. Yeah. Like tell me why, like what am I, what are we seeing when we look at Monograph Dashboard and, and why is that a compelling so the, one of the hardest things is you have a lot of projects and it's very difficult to see all your projects all at once. What stage you're in, what phase they're in, who's working on it. Uh, so being able to really easy filter and know that at a glance is extraordinarily valuable. And then since we're doing time tracking with, uh, with employees, what's amazing is we, we have what we call the, the money gain, where as you fill out your timesheets, a little gain is just gonna move uh, against your total fee for that phase. 
Like it's just a visual indicator of like how much fee you're burning in real time, which makes total sense because you everyone has an hourly rate, and you should know at a very high level how much fee you burn and how much fee you have left. Yeah, I love the dashboard because I think that architects think that way. Mm. You know that most financial management software and a lot of the project management software is built for the rest of the world. You know, and architects, for one, they're very visual. They they want to see you know green lights when things are good and red lights when things are bad. Right. You know, and and we we want to see beautiful things when we use our software. I pick uh, you know one of the main components of picking software is how does it look? How, what's the user interface? Not only is it easy to use, but is it beautiful to look at? Especially when I'm using a software like Monograph, where I'm using it all day long because it's part of my time tracking. I'm looking at it constantly throughout the day. I want it to be beautiful. And I think that's one of the things that you've done, even through the websites, all the way through to what you're doing today. Yeah, and I think that helps Like as being a tech founder with a design background. Right. like Design is so important. It, it eases so much of the usability. It makes streamline the processes so much better. We solve problems with visuals first before we dive into like the data and the analytics. Um, and we're always going to be designed first as, a, as an organization. Oh, so you said that the um, dashboard was more built for um, a small or a medium-sized firm. Do mm -hmm. you see it scalable for larger firms, or do you see it scaling in the future to, to larger firm use? It, absolutely. Like I, I believe right now the correlation between feature sets and, and size are like one-to-one. -one. Which makes us really applicable right now for small to mid size, uh, but I we we have an appetite to go to go larger. Okay. Okay. Your, how do you how are you getting the word out there besides being on podcasts like this? You know where you guys you guys have a marketing team where you're going out and you're knocking the door of HOK and stuff like that. You know SOM. I mean, how does it work? What's your sales? What's what's the the, the, the secret sauce? Yeah, <laughs> it, it's entre it's entre architect. It, it, yeah. it is entre architect. Yeah, Monograph is their their membership sponsor for us, oh, okay. and they've supported us for a long time. Mm -hmm. But recently, they they actually signed on as a as a member, and they support uh, our membership programs. And, and oh, because uh, integrated, very yeah. nice, very yeah. nice. Yeah. So so uh, when you sign up for a membership, they have access to uh, to Monograph for a year, um, and that includes CVG as well as as partnerships, but. Uh, I'll, I'll just I'll just tell you the secret sauce. Also, like it's SEO. Like I think when you're a design first company and, and everyone searches Google, we we have to essentially dominate the SEO world. Like we we have to be ready when architects are ready. And I think the the traditional sales strategy of knocking as many um, as many doors as possible doesn't quite work when you're trying to sell to professionals. Like we're busy. Yeah. Like we'll come to you when we when we know we're ready, and we need to just be ready when that happens. And the best way to solve that problem is to make sure we we spend a lot of time at SEO, uh, build content, and make sure that we're relevant, so that when architects find us, we're ready to go. Yeah, I like that. I don't like the. We even we even ended up putting like on our our glass door, appointments only, <laughs> and we still get people coming through in the conference room like, "What are you doing here? Did I miss?" It? And then I then I panic and I look at my phone and I go. I don't have an appointment. What are you doing here? <laughs> so I think that's smart. It, it's so intru intrusive. Like yeah. I don't like it. We are very busy, right? Like we're professionals. We're busy. We're solving major problems from from infrastructure to buildings to parks. Um, that's right. So yeah, keep going. Yeah, keep going. Talk. Oh, uh, <laughs> a lot of dead air. We're gonna do a lot. We're gonna 
do a lot of overlap. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we're going to have okay. you guys in at the same time. Sweet. Yeah. Um, SEO. Yeah. And I so like partnerships it. are great because it's an industry built upon relationships and we need to continue to build relationships as a core uh, success model for, for marketing and sales. But SEO is going to be a huge supplement to, to that model. Yeah. Robert, talk a little bit about the other things that you guys are doing. Because it's interesting from an architect's point of view with some of the, uh, the, the niche sites that you've built. And I know <laughs> that's not part of, of Monograph, uh-huh. um, but I think architects would be interested in that because they have you know, ideas. And that's part of your SEO strategy. You sort of built those to sort of learn yep. how to build, uh, you know, competitive SEO, and they've done great with those. And so, what are some of those ideas that are separate from Monograph, but but uh, architects might be able to learn from? So we are going to hear the rest of Robert's story and answer to that question in the next episode of Entree Architect Podcast. Please come back to episode two seventy six. We're going to have. Many, many more interesting and inspiring people hanging out with us, talking from the AIA conference on architecture. Uh, We had a lot of fun, Evan and Cormac and Lance and I, uh, and many, many people came and and hung out with us, and we had a really good time over at the RCAT booth at the expo floor. Um, And so come back to us next week and hear more. I have lots more, so uh, come and hang out with us. I'd love to get your feedback from this, too. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm hoping that the I know the audio levels are a little wacky because, you know, we're doing this with four people live on the floor with lots of noise. So we had to get our levels just right so you can hear us and not the rest of the expo. Um, and so I know it dips and jumps and all that. It's just raw audio. Um, but uh, I'm hoping that there's lots and lots of value here. So definitely send us your feedback. If, if you don't see the value in this, I don't want to do three, four more of these. So uh, definitely let us know if you like it share it let us know share this episode this is entrearchitect.com slash episode 275 275 episodes of the entree architect podcast so share this with your friends if you think it's valuable if you don't think it's valuable send me an email tweet it out to me uh, or evan or cormac and say you know let's not do this this is uh, this is too much but i think it was valuable i loved it i had a really good time so i'm hoping that you find it valuable as well um so, actually, also reach out to Evan and Cormac and Neil over at Entree Arc, uh, at, at uh, Arca Speak Podcast, um, and and Lance Psycho and and Alex Gore over at Inside the Firm. Go ping them and say, "Hey, great job! Go listen to their podcast. Subscribe to their podcasts. We had a lot of fun together." So, uh, if you if you are an entrepreneur architect who runs or owns your own small firm, then you, my friend, are an Entree Architect. And I encourage you to go build a better business so you can be a better architect. Love, learn, and share what you know. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris 
owners of Level Studio Architecture are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like, us? Can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is gonna be a priority. When the job is done, we're gonna actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like, that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.